evening. Man, that's better than a response of 100 people, amen? Uh, just up in Lisbon, Maine this last weekend preaching, they had, oh, probably Sunday morning around 100 people. I said, good morning, and it was like they were dead, you know? So I had to make them repeat themselves, amen, so I could hear what they had to say. Of course, it would probably help if I turned my hearing aids up, which I do not have in tonight. So if you go to talk to me and I don't hear you, and I look like I'm a deer staring in the headlights of a car, just look at me and repeat it one more time. Louder, amen. Well, praise the Lord. It is good to be here tonight. And, uh, and uh, your pastor asked me the other day if I would come and preach. Well, he's going to be gone this evening. And so I said, I'd, I'd like to do that, amen. Of course, I'll be here in another what, another weekend, two weekends away anyway, so for a Sunday. So you, you probably get tired of hearing me after a while, uh, but I'm glad. To, oh, thanks, Ray. <laughs> My wife's always tired of hearing me, amen? <laughs> you need to behave yourself tonight, <laughs> I tell you. Ephesians chapter, chapter 1, I'm not going to tell you what she was doing to me when I was setting up here on a platform, but uh, she said my tie was crooked. Yeah, well, you're going a lot farther than that, you know. And Ephesians, Ephesians with me this evening, please. I, I want to do a walk through the book of Ephesians, a tremendous book uh, uh, here this evening with me. And I like what he talks about, of course, of Ephesians when you're looking at it as a um, church of Gentile believers, uh, those who have been saved, but they were not, uh, they were not Jews. Uh, this was Gentiles. These are the people here uh, came salvation through Jesus Christ, just like you and I would, just like any Jew would back in that day at that time. And there were some Jews in this church, but the the uh, primary makeup of this church was Gentiles. And uh, the Lord tells me a few things. Let me just cover a couple of things with you before we go very far here. I want you to look with me, if you will, uh, down to verse 10, where he says, chapter 2, where he says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then he says in verse 18, for uh, through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you're no more strangers but, uh, and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom uh, ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through uh, the Spirit. Uh, Father, thank you for your reading your word this evening. I pray help me as I preach and help us to Receive your word, Father, and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. As I look at this thought here this evening in this text about the, uh, simply about the, uh, the church, uh, I want to uh, speak about it a little bit this evening. And I love where he talks in here in this text where he, he says a building fitly framed uh, together, building together for the habitation of the spirit. And uh, then he says we're no longer fellow, uh, we're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. You know, uh, sometimes in the church, in the house of God, we don't see a, a lot of fellow citizens, amen. We, 
We act more like strangers uh, one with another. It's interesting uh, when my wife and I go uh, around the country and, and been in many, many, many churches sometimes, how sometimes uh, we've been in churches where nobody even says hello to her. Uh, we've come in, in fact, we were in one church, was I think by the end of the week, uh, someone come up and introduce yourself to her, uh, to, him, uh, to her and said, I'm glad you're here visiting with us this evening. And she said, I'm the preacher's wife, and she'd been there all week long, you know, and they've been there all week long. It's just, you know what I'm talking about, Ray. It's just amazing me. Sometimes how people are so standoffish and not, uh, don't, don't, uh, it seems like, and if that's how it is, with a stranger that comes to the church, the house of God, I wonder how it is with other believers in the house of God. Well, when somebody comes in your doors, amen, and this is not the message, we'll get to that in a little bit, but when somebody comes to your door, should we make them feel at home, amen? Should we, we make them want to feel, uh, uh, feel welcome to the house of God, uh, that they might uh, enjoy uh, not, just, uh, not just coming together uh, uh, to hear the word of God and coming together to sing, but they might uh, enjoy the fellowship of other individuals in the house of God, amen? I think that sometimes we miss something uh, as believers in Jesus Christ. I like what he says, in whom all the building fitly framed together, fitly framed together down there in verse, um, in verse 21, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple uh, in the Lord, fitly uh, framed together. Let's see, idea, I don't, uh, I'm, in fact, Brother Ray will tell you, I've been on a few projects with him over the years where I've been preaching uh, once or twice, pre- working during the day, and I'm preaching at night, you know, and, and, uh, and he'll tell you, uh, I don't know much about fitly framing anything together, amen, and uh, <laughs> it's more like this, uh, Brother Mike, you cut this board, and, uh, and this is how long it needs to be, and then he'll say, you know, you, you cut that three times, it's still too short, uh, that's my kind of fitly framing together. And uh, we, we'll laugh at each other sometimes, and, and they'll laugh at me. I got to tell you a story. Uh, many of you don't know, you, you don't know who Brother Dom Merritt is, but we were in a church in Alabama, and, um, and, and he's up on a, a platform, and he's about 10 or 12 feet up in the air, and he's working on that window, Ray, in that one uh, church down there in Roanoke. And, uh, and he, he had me cutting a bunch of two-by-fours, and he says, cut this one 24 and an eighth, cut this one 24 to 16th, cut this one. The last one he said, cut this one at 24. Well, the whole time he's working, I can see the back of the lift. I'm taking them two-by-fours, and I'm just tossing them up on the lift, and they're going over the rail, and they're landing on the, you know where I'm going, don't you, Ray? And they land on the back of the, the thing, and he's doing great. And then all of a sudden, the sun's coming through the window, and I can't see as good, and I got one up there real good, and then I went to throw the next one up, and it hit the back of that lift. Well, I thought it landed on the lift. And the next thing that I saw was right here, right there. It was right, it hit the back lift, come back and hit me dead between the eyes and the forehead. Walked into church that night and I had a big knot on my head. A little boy was in the church and he walks up to me and he says, Mr. Patterson, is it true you hit yourself in the head with a two by four? I said, I said yes, I did. He said, you need a hard hat. <laughs> well, enough foolishness. Let's get back here. I want you to look with me, if you would. If you look at Ephesians, there, you can get all kinds of stuff out of the book of, book of Ephesians. There's a, a series of messages that I put together years ago. As you come through the book and you begin in chapter one, you would, I call it the house in Ephesians. 
You come to chapter one, you'd have the entryway of the believer, then you'd have the uh, parlor or the fellowship room, then you'd have the library, and chapter three and the chapter four, you had the living room, and chapter five, you had the music room, and in chapter six, you had the dressing room, amen? And uh, in our house, every one of those rooms is the same thing. Am I right, Ray? Every one of them rooms in these trailers out here is the same. There's not enough room in my house to change your mind, let alone your clothes, amen? So, but I want to look at another thought here, beginning in chapter one of this text this evening. Go with me, if you will, to verse seven. You know, fellowship all begins, and here's where it all starts. A person can come into the house of God and not know Jesus Christ as their Savior and feel uncomfortable. Am I right about that? How many of you, uh, you don't have to put up your hand, maybe you came to church and at one time or another and uh, before you were saved and you sort of felt uncomfortable being there because you didn't know Jesus Christ and, and everybody coming up to you, uh, especially if you're a big guy and they want to hug on you and they want to shake your hand and, you know, I, I don't know how you are, but before I got saved, the, the hugging thing was out, amen. And, uh, but, you, you know, you, you get this idea that it all begins, number one in verse seven, it all begins through, by redemption through his blood. Redemption through his blood. Look what he said in verse seven. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. In whom we have redemption through his blood. All fellowship, all your fellowship began at the redemption of the cross of Calvary. You have something in common, amen? If you've been saved by the grace of God, you have something in common, and it's called the blood of Jesus Christ. And listen, I, I, I am an independent, fundamental, red, white, and blue neck Baptist. I'm just telling you what I, what I am, but uh, there's a lot of people out there who aren't where I'm at on the same thing. They're not all Baptists, but they're saved by the grace of God, amen? I've met people all around the world that are not of my stripe, but if you talk to them, they'll tell you when they got saved, how they got saved, how long they've been saved, and I can fellowship with them. I'm talking about fellowship where I can sit down and have a cup of coffee and enjoy my time with them, and, and I might not go to their church. I might not get involved in some things they're doing, they're going the direction they're going, but there's a fellowship, there's a camaraderie uh, that you have with an individual when you find out that they've been born again, saved by the very grace of God. Can I make this statement to you? There's some Baptists I don't want to hang around with. There are some because they don't act right. They don't behave right. And some of the things they do is appalling, appalling to me. And it would be, and some of this appalling to you when you run into some of them, amen? Just because a person says they're a Baptist doesn't mean that they are our stripe of Baptists, amen? <laughs> They're not always the same as what we are. I thank God for his salvation in Jesus Christ through, by his blood. And then we see, number two, not just salvation through the blood or, or a redemption through his blood. By the way, that's the only redeeming thing that there is in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't be redeemed any other way, any other way, any other way except for the blood of Jesus Christ. Someone a few years back had uh, written an article uh, on the fact, the fact in a book that they had written that uh, it's not the blood of Christ, but it's the death of Christ. And I tell you what, he could die any way he wanted to die, but if he did not shed the blood, you could not be saved. He had to die, absolutely he had to die, upon the very cross of Calvary. But without that shed blood, without that shed blood, you could not be saved. He had 
to shed the blood, amen, in order for you to be born again, saved by the very grace of God. The second thought we see, not only do we see a redemption by the blood, but then there, the faith aspect comes in. Uh, look with me, if you want, chapter 2. We see salvation by faith, chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we see the second thought is salvation by faith in chapter 1, redemption by the blood in chapter 2, salvation through grace by faith. You have to, you have to come when God works in your heart. And by the way, there's not one person in this room that got saved on your own. Do you understand that? You did not get saved on your own. You did, not, you did not one day wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm just going to decide today I'm going to go to church and get saved. Uh, no, not unless the Holy Spirit was working in your heart. You never did that. I was uh, telling the teenagers up, and I preached up in Lisbon, Maine, uh, yesterday morning at the Christian school, uh, the senior class before, or actually, I guess the uh, junior, senior, whatever they call it, sophomore, and Freshman, I mean, I had a whole high school in there, you know, and, and uh, about, about what we have here tonight, amen, the school was shrunk down a little bit, but um, I was telling them uh, yesterday uh, a little bit about my testimony, and I, I was sharing with them about salvation by faith and, and uh, about how that uh, no one comes to Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit of God speaking to their heart. You cannot get saved without the Spirit of God speaking with your heart, to your heart. Maybe one day, maybe one day you, uh, maybe one day you read a tract. I don't know if anybody in here was saved by reading a tract. Maybe you heard the preaching of the word. Maybe you were in a church service and heard the preaching of the word. Maybe, uh, brother Ken, I remember when you got saved. You remember that, Ken? I was there when you got saved. That day you got saved. Many, 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 many years ago. Uh, oh, stop! You saying oh, many years ago? Amen. I remember when Ken got saved. Amen. And, uh, and it was all, and boy, I tell you what, you can see a difference, a difference in, in what you wanted. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit of God saying, this is what you need, amen. And, and that's what happened to you and happened to me. And you can't come to Jesus Christ by faith through grace without the Holy Spirit of God dealing with your heart. You have to, it has to be his work in you. And maybe you read a tract, maybe you read a book, maybe you heard a preach on a radio somewhere, maybe you were in a church service, maybe Maybe somebody knocked on your door. May, I don't know. I'm just simply saying, you did not get saved on your own. Amen? You did not get saved on your own. Somebody gave you the gospel, and the Holy Spirit showed you in your heart what you needed to do, and you trusted Christ. I was telling them teenagers up there that I probably heard the gospel at least, no doubt in my mind, 20 to 25 times, and maybe even more than that before I ever got saved. And it just never made sense, never made sense. Didn't want it, didn't want to hear it, didn't want to listen to it, didn't desire it, didn't want to have anything to do. I could, I could care less about anybody or anything else. But boy, I tell you, that night, that day when I got saved, the Holy Spirit was on me so much and convicting my heart for about almost two years, I was under such great conviction. I don't know why I didn't get saved before that two years was up, Brother Ray. I don't know why. But boy, I thank God that he left me to live long enough 
to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. It comes through faith as a, for you and I. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is to get to God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But look with me in, in chapter 3, if you will, for a little bit. We see redemption by the blood. And we see salvation by faith. And then in chapter 3, look with me, if you would, please, down to verse 5. And verse 16, I believe, is what I want. He said in verse 5, For uh, in other, uh, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, capital S-P-I-R-I-T. And then look down at verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit, in the inner man. Not only does he lead you by the Spirit, we see the work of the Holy Spirit. Where the work of the Holy Spirit brings you under convicting power uh, to help you grow in the very grace of God. He doesn't only draw you to salvation, the Father gives, but the Holy Spirit works in your heart and brings you to that point of conviction, but he brings you to that point, the same thing, in your Christian life as a believer in Christ. I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever come over Holy Spirit conviction for something in your life that maybe should not have been there, or maybe you came under Holy Spirit conviction uh, in your life for something you should do different uh, to bring honor and glory to God. Not that you were living wicked and he was trying to change your mind about what you ought to be. Uh, that happens sometimes, but maybe you were doing what's right. And he said, but I want you to do more. I want you to go farther. I want you to take another step. He tells you and I again, look what he says. He says in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Oh, God's desire is to strengthen you by his might, by the spirit uh, in the inner man. Now, can I make a <clears throat> statement to you? I call Wednesday night service cream in the crop, amen? I really do. Uh, but everybody, no matter who it is, no matter if it's Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, we all need to be strengthened by the Spirit of God, amen. That's why it's so important. That's why, listen, that's why it's so important to be in the house of God. That's why it's so important to be uh, in your Bibles. That's why it's so important to be in prayer. That's why it's so important to study. That's why it's so important to have Bible study. That's why it's so important to have discipleship, that you might grow in the very grace of God as a child of God, as the Holy Spirit will lead you. I'll guarantee you, uh, when you got saved, unless you were saved as a little child and grew up in a church and heard all the stories and heard all the truths and heard all the things, there were some things as you were growing as a child of God, as you were growing after you got saved as a child of God, that God showed you in his word that changed your mind about some things. Am I right about that? Amen. Am I right about that? Because the Holy Spirit of God works in your heart to teach you and to show you and to admonish you and to work in you and to cause you to be what he would have you to be as his child. That's what God's intent is for every one of us, that we would be what he would have us to be. Amen. Uh, what's that? Uh, I can't remember which one. I think it was one of the military branches. Be all that you can be. Was that the Army or the Marines or the Navy or the Air Force? One of them, amen. Uh, uh, it don't matter. They all want you to be all that you can be. Am I right about that? Amen. Well, you know, we ought to be all that we can be in Jesus Christ. All that we can be. 
in Jesus Christ. I'm wondering maybe some of us just need to go back to boot camp, amen, as Christians. Let's go back to boot camp as Christians and, and learn some things all over again, you know, and, and, and get trained up again in the Word of God, uh, in the things of God. Can I make this statement to you? You're never, you're never too old to learn something new. You're never too old. You ought to be learning every day as you read the Bible. The, the Word of God ought to work in your heart in such a way every day that your mind is changing continually, changing continually. Amen? We ought to be thinking different every day than what we did the day before. What, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit of God showing you and teaching you through the Word of God that you might become what He would have you become as a child of God. Uh, look with me, if you will, not only in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, but go to chapter 4 with me, if you would, please. And we don't just see the redemption by the blood, salvation by faith, and the work of the Holy Spirit of God, but we see, I, I got here, the work of the body. The work of the body, that's you, that's me. This is the body of Christ. Look what he says in verse 11. Now, I'm skipping a lot of verses. I, I, I want to focus in on just some specific ones with you here in Ephesians. Look what he says here uh, in verse 11. And he gave some apostles. And we know there are no apostles today in the term that we know the apostles back then, 2,000 years ago. And he gave and some prophets. There are no prophets today like there were 2,000 years ago. And some evangelists, we know that there are evangelists, but maybe not even the term that they were originally, amen. Uh, we, we do what we think we ought to do as evangelists. I do what I think I ought to do. Somebody asked me one time, he said, are you an evangelist, Mike? I said, well, uh, yeah, I'm probably more a revivalist than I am an evangelist, amen. I just preach, hallelujah. I know some guys out there that are, uh, the guys out there that every day knock on doors, every day, whether out knocking, on, hand out tracks and handing out material. I don't go out every day. I don't go out as much as I used to. I can't hardly walk anymore. I don't go out like I used to uh, uh, anymore. But some guys are out there, that's all they do. They, they, and they're always leading a soul to the Lord. I know of a fellow over in Pennsylvania uh, that, that claims, I'm assuming uh, he's done it, that he leads somebody to the Lord every day, every day. D.L. Moody used to witness to somebody every day. He would say to the Lord, uh, he said, I won't go to bed, uh, Lord, until I witness to somebody every day. And I don't know if he led a soul to Christ every day, but one day he gets up and it's raining outside and he goes home and he goes up to his room and he takes off his uh, boots and he takes off his clothing, puts on his bed clothing and he lays down in bed, he says in his book. He, he laid down in his bed and he, he just about ready to shut his eyes and he said, I did not witness to somebody uh, that I need to witness to. Uh, and he said, okay, Lord. And he got up and he put his overcoat on over his pajamas. Got his colossus on, that's rubber boots. And then, he, and then he, yeah, we don't wear them anymore, do we? And then he, and he put an umbrella, his hat on his head, an umbrella, and he went, and he walked down in his, uh, the, out of the apartment, and he walked down on the street, and there was a man standing underneath the street light there, and he walked up a witness to him and led him to Jesus Christ, amen? And then he went back and slept well, he said, you know. But that's, but you know, that might not be you. The point is, what are you doing to get it out there, amen? And we see a, the work of the believer. Now watch what he says in verse, and he said, pastors and teachers, we know there are pastors. 
And we know there are teachers, amen. And the pastor's a teacher and a pastor, a preacher, but there are teachers also in the house of God. We have a tremendous teacher in our home church, and, and I, I love to listen to him. And I don't get to hear him a lot because when I'm there, they usually want me to teach, but I'd much rather listen to him teach, amen. He, that's what he does. He's a good teacher, solid teacher. And boy, Brother Ray, he keeps your attention when he's teaching, amen. And I get up to teach, and I end up preaching, Amen. And they said, well, I thought you were going to teach. I am. That's how I teach, amen. You might not teach like I do, but that's how I teach. So he makes a statement here, and look at with me in verse 12. He says, what, for what purpose? For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints. That's you. That's me. Those who have been saved by the grace of God. He said, for the perfecting of the saints, watch, for the work of the ministry. You're being perfected through the preaching of the Word of God and through the teaching of the Word of God. This, is, by the way, is the work of the believer. In the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, you are being perfected for the work of the ministry. And watch this, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And what's it mean to edify? It means to build up. To build up the body of Christ. That's what God intends for you. To help build up the body of Christ. Amen. Well, you got you to be doing everything you can to help build up the body of Christ. I'm not talking about just going out and knocking on a door, witnessing to somebody and leading somebody to cry. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the church itself within the house of God. What are you doing as a born-again believer in the house of God to help build up other born-again believers in the house of God? Amen. We ought to do everything we can. It's like, this. how can I pray for you? Amen begins there. How can I pray for you? Maybe when somebody says, could you pray for me? Maybe you ever think about this? And I got a dear friend of mine that was just with him, Dr. David Garnett. I call him Doc. I don't know if you ever got his doctorate, but Brother David Garnett up in, up in Lisbon, Maine, pastor up there. And just about every time uh, we talk on the telephone, uh, before I hang up, he'll say, let me pray for you. Well, you know what that does for me? Amen. And how he prays, just blessing my heart to hear him say, let me pray for you. I, I called Dr. Don Green at Lansing, Michigan. And he said, let me pray for you. Amen. It just blessing my heart. What, how about, and, and listen, and if I, if I called him and say, listen, this is going on, well, let me pray for you. I always began to wonder about this a long time ago. How many times I've done this, somebody said, pray for me, and I said, okay, you don't pray for him. I wonder if we just took a moment right then and there and say, all right, let me pray for you. His bow our head and said, Lord, have your way in this situation that you'd be honored and glorified. I just wonder how many times that would help to benefit the house of God. To build. You know why? Because you care. You care. Amen. And ought not we to care one for another? All right. Ought not we to care one for another? Well, I think that's a little better. Amen. Well, we ought to. We really ought to. For perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. By the way, let me throw this in there. because So your pastor's not here, so I won't embarrass him. I've been told I embarrass pastors sometimes, amen. Well, can I, let me make this statement to you. The pastor can't do it all. I was a pastor, let me tell you. We think we can, but we can't. 
The pastor cannot do it all. He needs people to come alongside and help. Why? Because the Bible says you are to be part of the work of the ministry for Jesus Christ. Amen. For the perfecting of the saints, edifying of the believer, building up of the house of God. It's not just a, somebody said one time, well, we hired a pastor for that. No, that's a stinking lie. Can I tell you why? Because there's no church in America, and if they do hire a pastor, they ain't worth their salt. When a pastor comes to the house of God, here's what you do. You recognize the call of God and the man of God's life, and you accept that call. But you don't, you don't hire anybody to do anything. Not, not the man of God. You recognize God's call in his life. So that's why it takes all of us to work together. Amen? He's not a hireling. He's a man of God. He's not a hireling. He's not going to be able to keep everything together all the time. No matter how hard we try. Sonny, no matter how hard the preacher tries, you can't do it. It just ain't going to happen. No matter how hard we try. I watch my pastor. Boy, I thank God for my pastor. I really do. Love him in the Lord, no matter how hard he tried. We've got some people still cause problems, amen? And I, I think we have a church that loves each other. I don't, I, I'm never there, so I can't say that 100%. I hope we do, amen? I hope we do. At least they love me, they say. But I don't know about that either sometimes, amen? Well, the work of the believer. Now look with me, if you will, now at chapter 5, please. We see redemption by the blood, salvation by faith, and work of the Spirit, and work of the believer. Now watch in, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 22. I said chapter 5. I want chapter 4, verse 22 with me. If you'll go down there, look at verse 22. And now I'm only going to read one or two of these real quick. That You put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Then he gives you a list of things. He talks about putting away lying. He talks about speaking truth to one another. He talks about not giving in to the, not giving in, uh, don't let the devil have his way. He talks about in here, uh, a few and I, to put away bitterness and anger and clamor and evil speaking. And he says in chapter 32, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's what his intent is for you and me, that we might even forgive one another. Uh, boy, we all have faults. Am I right about that? Don't, how many of us don't? Is there anybody here that doesn't have a fault at all? Now, if there's a child in the room, they might raise up their hand, you know. Uh, but we all have faults. We all, we all, have, our, we all have our little uh, pet peeves. Uh, we all uh, do things. And, uh, you know, the longer you're married, the more you do something that irritates your wife or your husband. Amen. That didn't come out right. <laughs> I'm going to stop that one right there before I get in, before I get in big trouble, amen. <laughs> because it's easy for me to get in trouble. I, I open my mouth up and put it in my right foot, and then I keep it open and shove my left foot in there with it, amen. So, you know, we all, we all have difficulties. We all have things that we, uh, that we do. We all, and he tells you and I as believers in Christ that we need to put on the new man. That's again coming back to the very work, uh, the very work of the Spirit of God, and being in the very Word of God. Uh, we see the walk of the believer here, and how the believer ought to be, and what he ought not to be. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think I have to. 
I don't think I have to with this group tonight go in here and list a bunch of do's and don'ts, do I? I don't, I don't think so. I think the, the born-again believers have been saved any length of time, knows do's and don'ts. Am I correct about that? And maybe some of your don'ts are a little bit different than mine, and maybe some of my do's are a little different than yours, but God has some do's and don'ts right here uh, in this text of chapter 4. I think that it wouldn't hurt us to go back and look at over and over and over and over and over again as born-again believers. When somebody gets saved, uh, uh, people always tell them, go in and read the book of John and read the book of Romans. Boy, that'll settle you and settle you and who Christ is in solid doctrine, amen. Uh, but I tell them along with that, go and read Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. Because that, that will tell you how to live as a born-again believer, how you ought to be as a child of God. Well, the Word of God is so plain to you and I, but we don't accept everything the Word of God says. We, we deny the truth of the Word of God many, many, many times. Look at chapter 5 with me. We don't just see redemption by the blood and salvation by faith and the work of the Spirit and the work of the body and the walk of the believer. But look over here in, in chapter 5 with me, if you would. I want to I go down to verse uh, 3 uh, where he makes this statement, chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. I do like what he says in verse 2, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The things we do on our life ought to be a sweet-smelling savor to God. But what he, watch what he says. He says that's what it ought to be. So he said, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Did you pick up on that again? But fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Those things ought to be put away, man. Amen? But look at look what else he says along the same thought. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this we know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometime, ye were. He's talking to the saints. He's talking to those who were saved. He says ye were sometimes darkness. He didn't say that. Ray, he didn't say that's how you were all the time. Now, maybe you were. But he says you were sometimes. Some things you did were dark. Some things you did were totally wrong. Some things you did were out of character, even for an unsaved person sometimes. And now he's looking and he says, don't let this once be named among you. So it was on to say, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord Walk as children of light. Hmm. Isn't that amazing, amen? He said you were darkness, but now you are in the light. So walk as children of light. That means there ought to be a difference. He said, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So he said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. That means you don't dwell upon it. That's not your conversation. Your conversation is about the things of God. Your conversation about holy things and righteous things and correct things as a child of God. 
You're not, you're not out developing this conversation with somebody else about, oh, how good that was or how good it could be. No, my friend. He says, deny all that. Put it off. Get rid of it. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Then like we said in verse 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest, uh, but whatsoever... For whatsoever doth make manifest is light, or that's what comes forth or comes out for you and I as believers in Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you will, please. We just don't see uh, here in these scriptures on redemption by the blood and salvation by faith, and and then the work of the Spirit and the work of the uh, believer, and then the walk of the believer, and and or the walk or the work of the body and the walk of the believer and separation of the believer. But we see the service of the believer. There should be some service in a believer's life, amen. Go with me to chapter 6, chapter 6 of our text. And then look with me, if you will. Of course, if you you went back to chapter 5 and you began all the way up in verse 21, he talks about submitting yourselves and wives submitting unto your husbands and husbands that love your wives. And then he goes on to talk about how the wife down in verse 33 is... uh, uh, is uh, to uh, love, a man is love his wife and even as himself and the uh, wife see that she reverence her husband. Then he talks about children obeying their parents and he he goes on he deals with the uh, with the fact of fathers not provoking their children unto anger. He talks about servants being obedient unto their own masters and we understand we don't see that today. Amen. In our culture, the idea of servitude the way that they were dealing with it here, but we are a servant of the Savior. Am I right about that? Amen. A servant of the Savior, let's obey our master. He says, uh, he says, and, and, uh, and then he talks about masters, uh, do the same unto them, uh, forbearing, threatening, uh, knowing that your master in verse 9 also is in heaven, neither is there any respect of persons with him. And then he goes on, I want you to look with me if you would, uh, right here, uh, go back a couple of verses where he says in verse uh, 6, not with eye service as men pleasers. Not with eye service as men pleasers. He said, but as the servants of Christ, in verse 6, doing the will of God from the heart. We see the service of the believer with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. He said, if he's doing what's right, God's going to do the same. Uh, you want God's blessing in your life, amen? Don't you? I do. I don't know about you, but, and I believe God has blessed me beyond measure, and and it's not all because of me. I want you to understand that. You know, God, God's good to us sometimes when we don't even deserve his goodness. Amen? Am I right about that? When we don't even deserve it, and we don't even understand it sometimes. But God is just so good to you in the eye. But there's a service for the born-again believer, for those who are saved, to serve the Lord as to the Lord, he said, and not to men. What we do ought to be for his glory and for his honor, and not for our glory and not for our honor. And when we come into the house of God, uh, we have to do our part as the children of God in service to the Lord, and not because the pastor has to ask us, but because we want to serve the Lord and do what's right as the children of God. Amen. I, I tell you, my friend, we ought to do everything we can, everything we can to to uh, make people feel accepted uh, in the house of God. Interesting, this last Sunday morning, 
I was uh, preaching up in Lisbon, Maine, and we had two young ladies uh, attend the church, uh, one who got uh, invited to the church with their children on a Sunday morning, uh, the other one also, both, I don't know who invited the, the blonde-haired lady, but the darker-haired lady, one of the bus captains uh, uh, invited her uh, to the church uh, uh, for Sunday morning, and he said, I had no idea she was going to sit. She comes in, she ends up sitting between the pastor's uh, wife and the pastor's daughter-in-law, you know, you, you ain't going to escape those two, let me tell you, amen, hallelujah. And then the other one sat down next to, I think it was Miss Judy. Uh, the other one was sitting next to Miss Judy up there, and you're not going to escape her. And I saw them just sort of leaning over, talking to each other as their preaching's going on. And at the end of the service, both those ladies got saved by the very grace of God, amen. Both those ladies were children who come to the house of God, and when they came in, somebody made them feel comfortable. Someone shook their hand. Someone witnessed to them. Someone sat beside them uh, to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Boy, listen, uh, don't take this the wrong way. Please don't take this the wrong way. But what's wrong with a fella going in and sitting with a fella that comes in to visit the church? just sitting down next to him if he's all by himself, amen? And so what, you're not sitting next to your wife for a service? You wouldn't do good just for that man to get saved, amen? Or the lady the same way? I think sometimes we, we miss uh, what God has intended for us as a children of God. But let's come back, let's come back that we might fellowship together, Amen that we might be bonded together, that, that we might be fitly framed together. Here's our fitly framed sometimes. That ain't doing nothing. This ain't doing nothing. That does it. Fitly framed, jointed together. Joined, fitly framed for the glory of God. Amen? Fitly framed for the glory of God. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. It's always hard sometimes on a Wednesday night to give an invitation during the messages. I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're thinking. I, I, but I want to ask you this question tonight. And I know this is a Wednesday evening crowd. But has there been a time in your life, has there been a time in your life when you have asked Jesus Christ to forgive you for your sin and to save you by his grace? It's that simple. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You cannot have eternal life without knowing Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. You say, it's not, it can't be that simple. It's just that simple. Putting your faith and trust in him, repenting of your sin, calling upon him, and asking him to save you by his grace. It's just that simple. Just that simple. Is there anybody tonight, maybe in, in this group, maybe with an upraised hand, Maybe an upraised hand. You say, Mike, I'm not, I'm not saved. I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. I'd, like, I'd love to take the word of God and share it with you and show you how you're going to be sure that you have eternal life. Anybody?